Hi, I'm Paul Camillos. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin for Series 4 of Shooting the Breeze. We cover women's hoops and women in hoops. We talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. During this series we'll be covering the FIBA Women's World Cup where the 12 best teams of the planet are coming to Sydney. And of course, we'll be covering Australia's longest running women's professional sporting league, the WNBL, in its 43rd season. Hit that subscribe button, like and review so we can get more Hoops content to you. Welcome to our first look into the WNBL 23 season. We do some crystal ball gazing, but we know the drill. The rosters are still moving, and in fact, since recording this podcast, more announcements have been made on new players. We also know that pre-season games don't often show the hard truths of team dynamics, the effects of the schedule, player health, and not to mention lady luck, which is why it'll be intriguing to watch this season unfold. It all starts on November 2, and in this episode we kick off the first part of our preview by looking at the reigning champs, the Melbourne Boomers, and the finalists, the Perth Lynx, last season's late bloomers, the Bendigo Spirit, and to round it out, a very new-look University of Canberra Capitals. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and comment. Share your thoughts. So let's get this unpredictable show on the road. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me is my co-host Jacinta Govind and this week we're going to be talking about the WNBL, the upcoming season, having a look at the teams. We'll have another tilt at taking a guess at who's going to be there towards the end, given we had such a great record on the <laughs> Women's World Cup. Oh yeah, that was a, I'm not going to say a disaster, but it really tested our knowledge. But I mean, that's what happens with those types of tournaments. They're so unpredictable. And maybe we should have accounted for the context of WNBA players getting straight from the tournament, you know, little recovery time between WNBA and a whole bunch of other variables that was probably thrown in. But um, anyway, look, we still, we consistently said the Opals were going to make the podium and they did. Yep. Didn't make the gold medal game, unfortunately, but anyway. So there's been a lot of changes in the off-season. There's been ownership changes for a few clubs, coaching changes, roster changes. So let's let's start off with Melbourne, our current champions. So they've got an interesting lineup. You got to say that they're going to be one. I think they're going to be one of the top two teams in in this season. Yeah, I agree. Definitely top two. Definitely. So let's have a look. You know, Kayla's back. Obviously, they've picked up Mia Murray, which is going to make for an interesting interesting mix. They got Christy Wallace, which I know is going to put a smile on your face, <laughs> and um, Tiff Mitchell's back. So, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? It, I, I think they're, they're looking really strong. The new players they've got in are going to make it, I think, if anything, they're, they're strengthening some of the areas where they may have been, they might have had some gaps given the changes in the roster. Yeah, a team that's kept a good amount of the core group from that championship team last year, last season. Mm. Um, so, like you said, Kayla George and Tess Magin were still contracted to play, so they had to stay. 
um, even though there was a coach change from Guy to Chris Lucas. Um, yep. So it's good that they got the core, especially being able to get Tiffany Mitchell back. Uh, I think that was a really great recruit. But the interesting thing with Melbourne, they're really good on social media with announcing their rosters and they, what's happening in their community. Like they're re- very engaging on social. So I feel like I'm pretty up to date with what's happening with them. However, not too sure why they kept changing their roster. So very early they came out with, this is going to be our roster. And then later they're like, we've signed Mia Murray. And then they're like, now this is our roster. And now and now they've signed Olivia Nelson Adota as their second import. Fantastic. Yep. Six five. She got picked in the second round of the twenty twenty two WNBA draft and stuck around with the LA Sparks. And she's also a Yukon alumni, so really good pickup. Six five American center. So their roster kept going strength to strength, but I just thought it was funny that it just kept changing after they were like, no, this is it now. <laughs> and now they've announced Lily Carmody as a DP, and they're like, now this is it. And I'm like, just get Honest it together. And, <laughs> Give us one yeah. list. <laughs> Honest and for true, this is it, really. Sure. Now, what will be interesting is Kayla obviously played for Chris up in Townsville. Mm. So – She'll be pretty comfortable with with Chris's coaching style. But I I need to go back to my history books. Yeah. Because I I feel like uh, Mia Murray, Kayla George, Tess Magin, I know that Mia and Kayla won championships together perhaps under Chris Lucas at Townsville. I can't remember if Tess came for one of those championship seasons with them as well. So having having those three, and, and I know, you know, Kayla and Mia have played together since the AIS, if yeah. not since being South Australia juniors. So they've got a long playing history. You know, having those three as pinnacle, you know, former Australian juniors, current Opals, playing together in a championship team under their championship coach, that's a pretty, pretty strong bond to have in a team. Yep, it is. And it's also, there's a lot of stability in this team when you really look at it. And they've come off from a championship. And one of the things that's become pretty obvious to anybody who's watched Sideline is this is a club that's got a good culture as well. And you can't underestimate the value of having a good culture to the ability of that team to be able to convert that into great performances on the court. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think going through what they went through last season, um, the ups and downs and obviously the championship, but, and they've also now got the shared experience of being on such a important documentary like Sidelined. I think that um, definitely Mm. just keeps helping to grow the club culture as well. Yeah. I think probably the bit, obviously the biggest loss to the team is Ezzy, who's gone to Europe. But I mean, Um, we've got, we've got a, Nelson Adota. So that's that should be yeah. a pretty handy pickup. Yeah, I think that oh, was a pretty, sure. that was a great signing, yeah. Yeah, I I've no doubt if the team plays the way they did last season, they're going to be one of the one of the top two teams. I, I can't I wouldn't feel confident saying that, you know, they're not going to be up there. No, I I agree. I think they're going to be top 2. And you know, you've still got great role players off the bench like Lou Brown and Rachel Brewster, who they've now got their a good season under their belt. Um they'll be ready to try and take on a more of a role as well next season. So, 
I think that their bench is solid, and you still got Panina, Panina yeah, Davison still hiding in there. Yeah, this is look. There's so many good players on this roster. Given the fact that there's a change in coach, if they can gel well together because of the changes that come with a coach, different approach, different system, they're gonna they're gonna be tough. It'll be interesting to see the first couple of games they play this season just to to get a feel for for how they're playing together, and um, you know. But yeah, this is gonna be a really great team to watch. Okay, let's move along to. Bendigo. Now, Bendigo is really interesting because, first of all, there's another team that's had ownership change and they've had coaching change as well. So let's have a look at this. And this one of the interesting moves, I think, here is Kelsey Griffin leaving Canberra and going to Bendigo. Well, Griffin and Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Um, I think with the coaching change at Caps, saw the opportunity for Kelsey. From what I've heard, the coaching change at Caps perhaps had inspired Kelsey to go back to the homeland of Bendigo. And mm-hmm. I know that Kelsey and Kelly Wilson have an awesome relationship on and off court. So I'm not surprised that they both went back together. And I'm pretty sure Kelly Wilson was playing NBL 1 for Bendigo anyway. So I she think that was. was pretty much a, a given that she was probably going to sign for Bendigo for the WNBL. Yep. Now, Maley is back for Bendigo. Ali Wilson is back for Bendigo. I mean, if you actually look at Bendigo, there's, there's a lot of consistency given, you know, there has been an ownership change and there has been – you know, the coaching change with Kennedy Kareem of coming from being assistant at the UC Caps, coming into Bendigo, he's going to be bringing a very different approach. Um, how do you think his coaching style is going to fit in with all the changes? And obviously, you know, new new ownership, they're going to want, I, I would think, to see the team do really well. They'd be hoping for a top four. Oh, definitely. Uh, however, as the roster stands right now, they don't have any imports. Yep. Which is something interesting to note, considering they've got new owners. I think with Coach Kennedy, the advantage is he's had his time at the UC Caps, so he's got the experience of working with Wilson and Griffin. So he's brought them, which is a massive recruit, but he's also yep. brought with him Alicia Froling who was yep. with the Caps last season. So that's already three players who, A, have spent a season together and with the coach together. So that's already a good start. You've got Abby Wearon coming back from Adelaide. And then, like you said, you've got the likes of Wilson, Maylie, McKay, McLean, Dunlop, Levy as the core group from last season. So formulaically, I guess, on paper, that's putting them in a really good position. You know, for a quick, I guess, for a a quick way to start getting some on-court chemistry um, and a really good dynamic. I mean, the dynamic between Wilson and Griffin is always going to stay the same, but I'd love to see Levy and Griffin again play together. I think the, a really big signing for them was getting Levy back, considering she spent last mm. season playing AFLW and WNBL at the same time. I'm really glad that she's still playing WNBL, especially after she withdrew from the Opal squad heading into the World Cup. But I feel like they they will definitely be very competitive. Uh, I think they'll be 
taking a lot of momentum from the end of last season. I mean, you've got Maylie that's had an incredible 12 months, so she'll be still riding high on that. But uh, the other thing is that Froling and Coach Kennedy played – oh, they just had a season together with the Knox Raiders where Froling was the MBO one mm. South MVP. So, yeah, huge potential for really good on-court chemistry. And I think, you know, comparing last season for Bendigo, understandably different roster, different coach, but I'm hoping that Bendigo will get off to a stronger start this season compared to last season. Okay. Now, let's do a bit of crystal ball gazing here. Why do you think they've announced no imports so far? I mean, look, with, with a couple of weeks out from the start of the season, you think they're just going to go as is with no imports? Yeah. I, th- I think at this stage, I think they are just going to go as is with no imports. It'd be, well, actually, now you mention it, of all the teams announcing their player roster this year, despite us knowing through our connections or our, some of our friends online telling us that all the WNBL rosters were full, Bendigo were definitely the last team to announce their roster. And for some reason, they were announcing their roster during the World Cup. So while our eyes were all on the Opals, why were they announcing their roster at the same time? That made no sense to me. But I feel like, I I do feel like they probably would have led with, I think if there were imports signed, we would have heard it by now. So I think they're going to go with the roster as is. I know they are still to officially announce their DPs. Yep. Um, I'm guessing they're going to be local as well, teaming with the theme of every other uh, WNBL club this season. So I think it's just going to be as is. Okay. I think they're going to be an interesting team to watch because, look, there's a lot of experience there. There's a lot of tough players in there, and a lot of these players have played together. So the, the chemistry is going to be there. I'm just not sure in – What's looking like going to be a really tough season, not having the imports maybe for a little bit of additional firepower is necessarily going to be in their benefit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But having said that, there are there are three teams. There's three teams this season without imports, so yeah. I mean, we'll get to Perth eventually, but to determine if Robbie Ryan is technically an import. But, um, yeah, there's at least three teams without imports this season. So, yeah, it's going to be a re- really interesting to see the comparison. Yeah. So what do you think, five or six? They're going to be this- one, one of the tight teams with – yeah, they're going to be one of the tight teams fighting for that fourth spot. Yeah. Yeah, look. Again, I'm not sure. There's going to be th- there's going to be a few teams in that mix. Don't know. It's gonna. I think it's going to depend on how well the players who are playing under Coach Kennedy this season manage to fit into his system. That were playing in under that were or weren't playing under his system. That weren't. That weren't. Yeah. So yeah, if you think about. The, yeah, the core group of Bendigo who are staying didn't mm. play under Coach Kennedy, whereas yeah. the new the new kids in town did. So hopefully there won't be too much conflict between this is what we used to do versus this is what we're doing now. Yeah, but and also how they fit into or how they gel with his system because there's always mm. that adjustment period. And, you know, hopefully 
they're not going to find it. It's going to cause them, you know, some issues at the early stages of the season. But we'll see. I don't know, hmm. This is going to be an interesting team to watch this season, I think. Okay, moving along. Perth, who are an interesting team. Now, as you said, there's no imports. Well, you know, you got Sammy, but... Well, she's naturalised now, so she doesn't get paid yeah. under an import contract. So True. we can't really count her as, a, as an import anymore. I think the only one perhaps that's probably technically an import would be Robbie Ryan, who's coming off a really good WNBL1 West season. <laughs> um, you know, she's a, a combo guard, as it says on the website. Also, shout out to Perth as well. Your socials and professionalism online is... Really, really admirable. Like, if you go on the WNBL website and look up all the squads and the team list for next season, yeah. Perth is consistently updated as soon as it possibly can with all the new press shots, with all the new, all the details of every player. Um, whereas the likes of Sydney Flames, they've got six listed and one of the first teams to announce their roster. So, anyway, that's just a bit of a bone yeah. of contention there. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, like you said, we'll, Perth. We'll, we'll get to that one. We'll get to that. <laughs> I got to actually just talking about that. I'm, I mean, looking at the photos that they've got on the website, it's really interesting because the way the photos have been put together, the way they've been structured, with uh, just you know the attitude that the players are showing in the photos, and mm. also, and I know this is going to sound like being really picky, but just the way simple things like the way the players are holding the ball and the background and the way it's just been put together, it's interesting because there's some photos where they're not worrying about the fact that the player is covering the team name with the ball mm. because it actually it's actually helping, you know, to try and convey a story about that player in their photo. It's really smart stuff. Got to tip my hat to them. Yeah, and I love the use of these uh, really cool red lights in the yeah. background. And Desiree Kelly can double as a model because her player profile picture is stunning. <laughs> I don't, yeah, really out, outstanding debut. Look at um, WNBL player profile picture. I think she she wins. Yeah, she's the I, champion. And the other the other thing about the roster is we're starting to we see a famous name from Australian basketball from years gone by is back. Ruby Vlahov's yeah. in as a, as a DP. Yeah, so what's interesting, though, about Ruby Vlahov being a DP, she's also committed to play college for St. Mary's. And yep. so under the NCAA rules, she can only play WNBL up to a certain date, which means that she can only get four, maybe five games in, and then she has to stop to make sure she qualifies to play college. Yep. But... I mean, interestingly enough, you know, the Vlahov name is back. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great. It's really cool. I really enjoy seeing, you know, the next generation of some of the greats that we grew up with in the in the 90s, like the Vlahovs, uh, Anstey's, um, mm. Reese, Paul Reese's daughter is over in college. And for, I've, I listened to another podcast actually with Ruby and – Andrew Vlahov and Andrew Vlahov was just saying that he and his friends watching their kids play, they're having a great time watching them play. They reckon it's really fun. 
<laughs> watching this next gen. I re- I reckon it's great too. I think it's really super exciting. Yeah, and it's uh, look. I think it's good for the game as well. Mm. You know, people there will be people who will remember. They'll remember the Vlahov name and go, oh, there's another Vlahov playing. Okay, it's his daughter, but there's a Vlahov playing. There's that continuity, which I think it's good, and I think it's it's really good for the for the purposes of helping to promote the game because. Yeah, you know, you're going to have somebody like an Andrew Vlahov who's going to be promoting the WNBL, who's going to be talking about the WNBL just because Ruby's in, even if it's only for a few games. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really, really good point, actually. Yeah, any any gateway we can take to make sure there's more eyes on the WNBL, we'll take it. Yeah. So, what do you think about Perth for this season? Um, look, I still think it's a really strong squad, perhaps per- a little bit guard heavy again uh i'm really excited to see amy atwell and chloe bibby making their WNBL debuts on full contracts amy atwell you know spent um college years at the university of hawaii had an excellent senior year went drafted in the wnba and spent some time with the la sparks until unfortunately she was cut with the coach change um but for her she could have signed anywhere for her to sign back home and come and play for Perth, I mean, she probably wanted to come back home for a little while anyway after spending four years in college. <laughs> but doing us a favour, we get to see her in home source. I'm very excited to see her. And also Chloe Bibby, who was just playing, you know, four years at the University of Maryland, which is a great school. She's super talented. It's listed here that she's a small forward at 185. So I, I thought she was a bit taller. I was hoping she was maybe a power forward, but... Very, very keen to see her as well. I feel like, you know, a very talented roster, but I just wonder without the real big firepower of Marina Mabry and and Jackie Young and alike that we saw last season for Lynx, I wonder if there's going to be a lot more pressure on the likes of Sammy and Scherf and even Bibby and Atwell, even though it's going to be their first full contract of the season, uh, if there's going to be a bit too much pressure on them to perform, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's going to be a bit too much reliance on them to really carry the team. But they'll still be very competitive. They've still got a good core group from last season. They've still got Burrows, Clinch, Hoycart. Uh, like we said, Scherf, Gandini's been promoted to full contracted player, which is great. And Alex Sharp's back. I'm really happy for Chloe Foster as well to get a DP spot. She had a really good season with the NBL1 national champions, the Warwick Senators. So, yeah, I reckon they'll be very competitive. I'm just not too sure if they've got the depth just and experience just yet to be a top four team. Mm. Yeah, well, the thing is they've got a really – they've got a very successful coach and I think he's picked – I mean, particularly Chloe Bibby and Amy Atwell, because of the amount of college experience that they've had, I think, I mean, I'm only guessing, but I've got a feeling that he's looked at them and said, you know, coming fresh off that much experience in in the college system, they're effectively like, I don't know, they're they're like an import just purely on the base of the experience that they've had coming out of, you know, four years of college, bang, back with the links. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, um, if you, yeah, you can definitely see it that way because they went to very good colleges. They performed very well at college. I think Bibby actually 
I also had a bit of WNBA experience after her time with Maryland. I think she was even on a maybe like a hardships contract or a 10-day contract or something with could be Minnesota. Apologies if I get that wrong, listeners. <laughs> Don't burn me at the stake for it. But <laughs> yeah, I think I would expect them to start to be in the starting five with uh, Wickham, Scherf, Atwell, Bibby. Wouldn't be surprised if that was four of the starting five. Yeah, there's some interesting combinations that they can be put together from from this mix of players. You're right. I'm not sure if they're going to be just outside the four or just inside the four. That being said, they do have some height there with, with Scherf, Edwards and Hoycard. So maybe, just maybe, they can translate some of that height into being able to make life harder for some of the teams that don't have that height in their roster. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think also perhaps you're looking at the roster in a sense of scoring power, especially compared to last season. We're missing Mabry and Jackie Young, who are just like all-out scorers. Yeah, I guess to help prevent relying on especially Sammy Whitcomb for all of the scoring. I, I wonder if this team will have to have a stronger defensive focus to maybe compensate for some of that firepower and the scoring that they're missing. Not saying that the others can't score, but just purely comparing last year's roster to this roster. Yeah, it's got a different mix. But if there's anybody, I mean, I, I've said it before, I think Ryan Petrick is one of the best X's and O's coaches that there is in the WNBL. And I think he's got the record to prove it. If there's anybody who's going to be able to find those options that are going to work with this roster, he's the guy who can do it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I just hope that I know that Perth were having some sport admin issues with, you know, not having a GM for a while and some funding issues and things like that within the club. So I hope that has been resolved by the time the season kicks off. And I... I'm not too sure if you saw online, Paul, but I was interested to know why Alex Chibatoni hadn't re-signed. But it turns out she's pregnant. <laughs> that's a good reason. So that's a very good reason. So <laughs> congratulations to her. Uh, Chibatoni and uh, Skylar Diggins can yeah. uh, be birthing partners. <laughs> <laughs> they can swap tips. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if things go, throw a couple of injuries into the mix during the season or a couple of oddball results, I think there's a team that could potentially make that top four if things go their way. But regardless, I think we're going to see a, it's going to be a very different style of play from, from Perth compared to last season. So I'm looking forward to seeing them and seeing how they perform and how they mm. how differently they played last season just because of the changes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, let's talk about the caps. They've kept a number of players. They've got some interesting additions and new coaching roster. Yeah, brand new coaching roster. Young emerging coaching roster. So, how do you think this is going to work for them. I think it's a team, it's it's a complete rebuild in my eyes. Not a complete, yep. but it's a pretty close to a 80% rebuild. <laughs> I mean, the players who stayed from last season are Brittany Smart, uh, 
um, good friend Barton and, and Jim Melbourne. Yep. Uh, and Gemma Potter was there last season, but she was still recovering from ACL, so she'd be keen to get back on court. And Shanice Swain was also part of the roster with Abby Solway, but they they saw limited minutes. But it's good to, that they're still sticking around, but all very, very young. The majority of the team's quite young. Um, mm. Lizzie Tonks is, is coming into the WNBL after having a great NBL 1 East season, and she's someone who hadn't played at a competitive level for a little while. Yeah, Pizzy has gone from Sydney to Caps. It, yeah, I mean, it's great that Whittle Harmon has gone from Flyers to Cap. I'm really glad that she picked up another contract. But it's just opposite end of the spectrum. You've got the experienced older players, you've got the really young emerging talent, and you've got the imports in between in a brand new system, a brand new coaching staff. Um, I think we have to be a little bit kind with the Caps this season. Plenty mm-hmm. of potential on paper, but we have to allow for a lot of adjustment time for this new system and new roster and and new coaching staff to be able to adapt and and find their winning formula. Yeah, it's, it, look, they had a couple of, again, you know, here's, here's another team that's had a couple of pickups from the, the Flames. They've got Beck Pizzi and Cherie Kalea, who's, you know, just down the road. And getting her first full roster contract. So congratulations to her after being a DP for a couple of years. Yep. I don't think you can underestimate the the effect of the coach. And there's, there's some really experienced players here. So... Personally, I think they might be fighting for either fourth or fifth. Oh, you're going to put them that high? Yeah, I think so. And the reason why is I think one of the things is if you look at the coaches, right, like if you look at Veeley, she's proven that she's really good at getting great performances from younger players. So I think there's enough veterans in the team and the mix is there. And look – you know, I could be I could be completely wrong, but I think there's a lot of players here who who are hungry to be able to to make their mark on, in the league, and that could translate into some really really interesting performances. Yeah, I think it will still take a bit of adjusting. You know, Gemma Potter, like we said, coming off a, at least 12 months with an ACL injury, played really well NBL one South, but that gap between playing NBL one and WNBL on paper isn't big but in reality is big. Yeah. So I think we can't expect, definitely expect it to, you know, play well, but probably can't expect to put up the same numbers as what she was putting up in MBL 1. And at least she played uh, MBL 1 South in Dandenong with Emily Whittle-Harmon. So that's a nice little combo there of having that playing experience together. And like we said before, Bunce, Smart, Melbourne, Solway already having a season together, Swain. I think what I like about this team is despite a lot of the emerging talent, which would perhaps, you know, uh, some of their experience might get trumped this season, unfortunately. But you've got the likes of like Brittany Smart, Whittle Harmon, Kalia as people, complete mumba mentality. Like you can tell on like I'm not uh, without, you know, not disregarding the work ethic of any other athlete, but those three, just the way they conduct themselves, the way they construct their lifestyle around improving their basketball performance as much as possible. I think that's really, really great. Three great signings to instill a great culture and a great work ethic 
into a, a new team under a new system, I think that's going to um, have some legs to it when it gets to the stretch of the season. I reckon that's going to really work well in the Caps' favour in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, It's look, you're right. It's it's definitely a rebuild season for them, but I think they've got – I think they've got – enough talent there to be able to to pull out some really great performances. And I think one of the things is, going back to the, the pre-season game, for what is a young team, they were within one of the flames. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest gap that I – I mean, there may have been a bigger gap, but I think at halftime it was a four-point game. So they kind of – they were there all the way through. And – if you look at the and as you've said, you know there's a lot of a lot of younger talent coming in here. I think the fact that they were able to keep up with them, given that that was the first preseason game that they've done, I think it bodes well. I mean, it bodes well for both teams because they were close, but I think it bodes well for Caps the fact that they were able to sort of stay in touch. There was no real big breaks that, from the numbers that I saw, that I was watching through that night of the game, there weren't any really big gaps in the score lines. Yeah, I think like when we're matching kind of, you know, uh, young talent between the Flames and the Caps, it's a pretty close to an even match because you've got the likes of Melbourne, Swain, maybe even Potter. They were all a similar vintage of people like Shyla, um, Keely perhaps, Froling being a little bit older, Roe being a little bit older. So I feel like that's a pretty... They're not too separate in a sense of age and experience in that respect. Um, I wonder as well with those matchups on paper in terms of positions and height look pretty even. I think the difference is going to be down to sacrifice, attitude, culture between those teams if we're looking at them side by side. I mean, you've got the likes, like we said, those three that I referred to as living the mumba mentality of just engrossing every part of their life into their basketball performance. Got Jade Melbourne, who is just the role model of um, the best attitude a young player could have. And, you know, that coming from someone like Veerly, who also was such a a humble team player herself. Mm. I think the Caps, I think that's working in the Caps' favour too. But they've got their two imports. They've got Cohen and Burrell. Cohen having played in Baylor, recently played, you know, Baylor University with Wally. So she and Wally were teammates, I think. Burrell playing at Tennessee, recently went number nine in the 2022 WNBA draft to the Sparks. So that's a great pickup. Both 6-2 forwards. I think also the Caps, their front court, you know, only having perhaps Bunce as the true centre. Whittle Harmon probably going to have to play a little bit bigger in that five spot as well. Um, I think that's yep. probably going to be an area that they might be exploited in a similar way that the Flames may have some trouble this season. Well, if there's one other thing that I'm looking forward to in terms of the Caps, it's what new fan art uh, the fans from Canberra are going to come up with. Yes, that's a good point, actually. I know that our friends at the UC Caps Weekly Pod put up on their Instagram story, you know, what are you looking forward to for this cap season or what What about this team are you looking forward to the most? And someone did write in and say all the new <laughs> fan art that's going to come next season. I think they need to take that really seriously and, and shine a better spotlight on it because it's a very unique situation um, 
I don't think a lot of other clubs would have fan art that would rival the UC Caps fan art. No, and I know I've been seeing on socials that Emma Groves has been practicing with uh, a lot of uh, daily artwork that she's been putting up. So um, we're expecting big things from her. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she's got something very exciting in the works that can only be released at the right time. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Okay, so uh, look, to wrap this up, I think we're going to be in for a very tight and very competitive WNBL season. I think apart from the like Melbourne and Southside, it's really hard to tell how it's going to end up for those last six positions. And the thing is, I don't think there's going to be a lot in it. No. And that's great. I'm happy with that. I love a tight competitive season. It makes it way more exciting. Yeah. I think there's going to be like like I said, you know, a couple of games between third and and eighth. Cuz it's on paper and from what we've been able to see so far in terms of pre-season, there's not a lot between these teams. And I think it's going to be really interesting watching the season as it develops. Yeah, I agree. And I think we'll, we'll end up seeing a few games where perhaps it might be a 20-point deficit like we did last season between some teams, but it's not always going to be a true reflection of what how the game was actually played. No, definitely not. Okay, and so Jacinta, thanks for joining me and to talk about WNBL season upcoming. Really looking forward to seeing how this is going to pan out. And um, I'm sure that you and I will be talking a lot more about the WNBL season as it trundles through from the start in just, you know, in not too far off at all. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I might have a think over the weekend to see if I feel like picking a top four, being so bold in picking a top four and putting it out there and holding myself accountable. See how I feel. All right, let's let's see. I might I might take a shot at it as well. We can we can put it up and see how close we get by the end of the season. And I'd love to know what our fans, you know, our list, loyal listeners of shooting their breeze. I would love to know what they perhaps think is their top four as well. So maybe yeah. a good way to start some conversation and start some hype hit heading into the, the tip-off of the new season. Absolutely. And also, let's not forget, coming up is the exhibition that a friend of the pod, Nick Lawrence, has got at the Alexandria Hotel at starting on the 10th of November, I believe. Yeah, Thursday the 10th, opening night. Please come along. We'll be there. Yep. It's going to be lots of fun. And Absolutely. the venue has a basketball hoop at the back. So, I mean, we can be right. shooting some what, shots what could... while we're shooting the SH, <laughs> other SH word. What, what more could you ask for? Beer and a hoop. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and some excellent photographs as well. Absolutely. Fantastic photos of pickup basketball. Nick's going to be there. We'll be there. I believe that Nick's going to have, hopefully we'll have the uh, the book to go with it as well. We'll be there. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Pre-order me so, one of them. Thanks, Nick. Yep, absolutely. Definitely get down there, guys. I think, you know, you're really going to enjoy the exhibition. And let's face it, a pub with a hoop. You can't ask for more than that. Nope, definitely not. Let's just pray it doesn't rain. Absolutely. Okay, Jacinta, thanks so much for your time and we'll be back with Shooting the Breeze and we'll be talking about the WNBL. Mm-hmm.
Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.